It's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Linda Holmes. Greta Thunberg is busy. She's been working for years as an activist to try to save the planet from climate catastrophe. She's also trying to finish high school. And she's edited a new book, perhaps unsurprisingly called The Climate Book, that collects more than 100 essays from all kinds of contributors in science and journalism and other fields. She says she hopes the book will be a place for people to start, just to start, joining in the fight against climate change. Because she tells NPR's Elsa Chang that whatever it is that the United States and other countries are doing right now, it's pretty clear it's not enough. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com NPR today to get 10% off your first month. This message comes from The New Yorker. What makes a short story work? Explore the minds of writers like Otessa Moshfag and George Saunders on the New Yorker Fiction Podcast to find out. Listen to the New Yorker Fiction Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Environmental activists have struggled for decades to convince world leaders to do more to fight climate change. And no one has been quite as direct and attention-grabbing as Greta Thunberg. You might remember this moment when she spoke at the UN Climate Action Summit in 2019. She was just 16 years old. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. And all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? That call to action was heard around the world. In 2019, she became Time Magazine's youngest ever person of the year. She has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize the last four years. And now she's out with the climate book. It's a collection of more than 100 essays explaining the fallout of a changing climate. Essays written by scientists, economists, journalists, and historians. Greta Thunberg is on the line with us from Stockholm, Sweden. It is so lovely to speak with you again. Likewise. So, you know, at this point, there is no shortage of scientific reports and essays about climate change. What motivated you to put together this particular collection? I think what mainly motivated me was that it was so difficult to find a source where you could actually read and go in depth on these issues. Because people often ask me, like, where can I read? What can I read? What can I watch? I want to get more engaged with the climate crisis. I want to become an activist. I want to learn, but I don't know where to start. Yeah. So this is a very good place to start, I think. Right. Well, you know, you and I spoke in person back in 2019 in Washington, D.C., and I asked you at the time how important the U.S. was in the global fight against climate change. And here's what you told me back then. You are such a big country. So I think you have an enormous responsibility in leading this role. And I think you have a moral responsibility to to do that. Well, let me ask you now, Greta. I mean, it's been more than three years since you said those words to me. Do you think the U.S. has stepped up in the way that it needs to? I wouldn't say in the way that it needs to. We might see some improvements in some areas, but still, the U.S. is expanding fossil fuel infrastructure. And to do that at a time right now 
where countless of people are losing their lives and livelihoods in a climate emergency that is just continuing to escalate every day. I think that's very, very irresponsible and it's completely absurd. I mean, that said, the U.S. has pledged to have its greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. It passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which invests billions of dollars in more electric cars, more efficient buildings. I mean, those are both quite big commitments. So what more specifically needs to be done in your mind? First of all, those commitments need to be real and they need to be in line with science and not contain lots of loopholes as they might do today. Also, we can't just continue to to make promises far away in the future. If people are going to believe in those commitments, we need to take action right now. Well, let me ask you about one essay in this book. It's called, How Can We Undo Our Failures If We Are Unable to Admit That We Have Failed? You call out political leaders for failing to act. And if I may just push back on that, I mean, there are... Plenty of politicians out there who speak up about climate change and the need to act. But, you know, in countries like the U.S. with narrowly divided legislatures, those politicians don't always have the votes needed to enact the policies that they want. So how do you propose overcoming those political realities? That's exactly the reason why the politicians and the people in power need to start speaking up. Because as it is now, they might not have the votes, they might not have the public support from voters to actually take these measures. Right now, it's like saving the climate is seen like an act of tree-hugging. It's not being seen as a way to, to protect our civilization as we know it and to save countless of human lives. That is being put against jobs and workers when it's actually the opposite. The fight for social justice is the fight for, for climate justice. We can't have one without the other. We can't put them against each other. And unless people know that, unless people know how bad the situation actually is, they're not going to demand change because they're going to want to keep things the way they are. And I get that piece. But what do we do about the political math in Congress here in the U.S.? You can talk as much as you want, but in the end, it takes a certain amount of votes to get things passed. What do you do at that point if there simply aren't the number of votes you need? That's what I what I tried to explain earlier. We need to raise awareness about this so that people vote for people who want to act in a way that protects the planet and people. And then, of course, I think that I'm not the one to, to tell the U.S. how, how they should do <laughs> things when it comes to things like... Congress and so on. I think that's more up to the experts and the people there. Well, I I was curious about your own personal ambitions. I mean, you're already a political figure to many people out there. Do you have any interest in pursuing a formal career in politics to be the one negotiating climate deals one day, trying to garner the votes to enact policies? I really hope not. Um, (laughs) Tell me why. Yeah. I mean, politics as it is now is very, very toxic and it's it doesn't seem like the kind of world I would want to spend my life in. I think that I can do more as a campaigner on the outside. Hmm. The last time you and I spoke, you were only 16 years old. And since then, you have been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize four times in a row. I mean, what do you make of your own celebrity these days? Is it ever distracting from the mission? Of course, I don't think it's what, what anyone expected or could ever expect. So I guess I just have to to use the advantage that that gives me. It gives me a platform that I can speak up about things that 
can impact things, people, etc. But of course, it sends a weird message that we are focusing sometimes on specific individuals rather than the actual problem itself and rather than the people actually suffering the consequences of that problem. Right. And as people focus on who Greta Thunberg is, Greta Thunberg, I understand, is trying to finish high school right now, right? You have a very busy schedule right now. (laughs) (laughs) How do you manage to balance advocacy, activism with high school, editing a book? How has that been? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I don't have an answer to that. Does it feel overwhelming sometimes? Maybe, yes, overwhelming. But I think what's more is the feeling of doing something that that matters, doing something that has an impact, something that in the future I will be able to look back at and say, I did what I could during this existential crisis when most people were just either looking away or were too busy with their own lives or, yeah. Yeah. Climate activist Greta Thunberg, her new book of essays about climate change is called The Climate Book. Thank you so much for joining me again, Greta. Thank you. It was a pleasure. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. When you book through Capital One Travel using the Venture X Card, you earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights. And you earn unlimited 2x miles on all other purchases. Plus, receive a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. The VentureX card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.